So, uh, let's do uh, try to do two pieces on the parsha. Uh, the first topic will be all right. So today's topic, we're going to discuss the first part, Mashiach. We all know who Mashiach is. Mashiach is that we're waiting for to take us out of this exile, bring us to Israel, and build us the Beis HaMikdash. But the topic is that Mashiach will take everyone out of Golus. Galut means the exile. Even those who would rather stay. Everybody's going to go out. With Mashiach, we're all going to go out. Now, what's the connection to this week's portion? Because in this week's portion, we read about the redemption. And we're going to see, as contrasted to the redemption of Mitzrayim, those people who refused to go out of Egypt actually didn't end up going out. But when Mashiach will come, at the end of the exiles, we will all, all of us will go out, which means that eventually we will all turn to Hashem and Hashem will eventually bring us all back. So let's go over here and do a verse uh, in the uh, Pasuk. So, you know, in one of the verses later on, it talks about the plague. We all know there were ten plagues, of course, right? Now, then one of the plagues was the plagues of darkness, okay? The one before the last was the plague of darkness, Choshech, the Makat Choshech. So I want to read you from the verse over there. So it says, one of the verses over there that discusses the plague says, Vayet Moshe yodo ala shamayim, and Moshe moved his hands over the sky, and there was, Vayhi choshech hafeilo b'choleretz mitzrayim shlechis yom. Three days there were complete pitch black darkness over the land of Egypt. So, why did Hashem bring darkness on them? You know, we can explain a lot of the various different... We'll see next week, we'll also have a chance to discuss why Hashem brought the different plagues. But in this particular plague, Rashi has a comment. Why did Hashem bring the plague of darkness? Rashi asks over there, it's all in Hebrew, but I'm going to translate it for you. Rashi, the blue is the Rashi on the Pasuk. The Pasuk said that it was a choshech afela, it was a pitch black darkness. Rashi asks, why did Hashem bring darkness on them? Why the plague of darkness? And Rashi explains that there were amongst the Jewish people in that generation evil people who refused to go out of Egypt. And they died during these three days of darkness. That's the reason why Hashem brought the darkness, so that the Egyptians should not see how the Jewish people are dying. And they're going to say, oh, they're dying just like we are dying, and therefore uh, they're not going to take them serious, so... Hashem brought the plague. So what do we see from this? I bring this down for one reason only. Bring this down for the reason we see from here. Not everybody came out of Mitzrayim. As Rashi says, there were some people, the evil people of that generation, that didn't want to go out, and they actually didn't go out of Mitzrayim. This is actually connected to a verse in our portion over here. We read in our parsha. You know, Hashem was sending Moshe, say, Moshe, go and take 
the Jewish people out. Go to Pharaoh, tell him to let the Jewish people out. And Moshe was not comfortable. Moshe did not want to accept this mission. And he's going back and forth with Hashem. Hashem persists and says, no, you have to go. So then, finally, in verse 13, not finally, over there in the middle of the discussion, Vayomer Moshe Elohim. So Moshe says to God, Hinei Anochi Ba El Bnei Yisrael. Well, I will come to the Bnei Yisrael. Ve'amarti lahem, and I will tell them, Elokei Avoseichem, the God of your father, Shlochani Aleichem sent me to you. So, he says, okay, I will come to the Jewish people, I will tell them that the God of your father sent me to you. So, Amruli, they will say to me, Mashimo, what's his name? What's the name of the God that sent you? What should I tell them? So, Moshe is asking Hashem, what should I tell the Jewish people when they ask me, what's the name of the God that sent you to redeem us from its right? So, in verse 14, Alekim says to Moshe, Eheyeh, Asher Ehiyah. These are very mystical words in the Chumash. I will be for that that I will be. What exactly is the meaning of this? Again, there is Rashi and there's a lot of commentary on that. But I just want to bring out one, uh, one commentary over here. Hashem says basically, Ehiyah, Asher I will be for those, for that that I will be. Basically what it means, that there is a choice. God says, I will be for a God, for those that I will be their God. Which basically means that there is a choice. If you don't want to accept God, if you don't want to be part of the Jewish people, if you want to go your own way, if that's what you choose, then you can choose that. Just like the evil people in that generation that did not want to leave Egypt, they died. So they didn't go out of Egypt. So basically what this tells us is that when the Jews left Mitzrayim at that time, they had a choice to be part or not to be part. They didn't have to go. They didn't have to accept. Eheye asher means I will be for those that I will be. Which means if you accept me, I'll be your God. If you don't accept me, I won't be your God. There is a choice given to them. And therefore, when the Jewish people left Egypt, not everybody left. Some stayed behind. On the other hand, in the future, when Mashiach will come, over there, there's not going to be choices, which means, what does it mean, not going to be choices? Basically, it means that each and every one of us is going to want to go, in essence, because each and every one is going to want to be connected with Hashem. Hashem will make it such He'll make it in such a way that we will all want to be connected to Hashem. Nobody will be left behind. No Jew will be left behind. Nobody is not going to merit to go out of the exodus of this Golos, let's go. Every one of us. Look how the Pasik speaks of when it talks about the end of the exile. There is a verse that says, Vishov Hashem Elokecho. This is talking about after the end of the days. It says, God, your God will return together with you that return. And it says, God will have compassion on you. He will go ahead and collect you from amongst all the nations in which God has scattered you over there. 
God will collect you. Everybody. Look what Rashi says. Rashi says some very powerful words. It doesn't say Rashi says that God will bring you back. But it says that God will return together with you. As if to say that God himself is going to come home. As if to say that the divine, so to speak, when we are in exile, when we're not in Israel, when we're not holy, when we're not proper, God is with us in our state. He goes along with us. And at the end of the day, when God is going to bring us back, He Himself is going to come back. He's going to come back together with us. Shem comes together with us. And then Rashi adds some, a few more very powerful words. Words. Rashi says the day of gathering of the exile is a great and momentous, difficult day for Hashem. Why is it so difficult? Because Rashi says like this from the Medrash. It's as if Hashem himself will hold on to each person's hand. Rashi says, Mamish, God will hold our hand. He'll lead us. Each person, wherever their place. Place means not only physically scattered in distant countries all over the world, but wherever your level, wherever your place is, wherever your level, God will come down to you. He quotes from the prophet Yeshayahu, 27b, he says, God is going to collect you one by one, children of Israel. God comes down to the level of every Jew. And God takes us each one by the hand, and God brings us back. What does this all tell us? That it's unlike what took place during the exodus of Egypt, that there were some that denied, some that were left behind, some that rejected some of the evil people that stayed behind. Unlike that, by the redemption of the future with Mashiach, Nobody's going to be behind. Hashem will take each and every one. He'll lift us up and bring us back. These are very powerful testimonies in the Torah, what is going to place. Because it is certain, this is quoting from the Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe writes in the Tanya that it is for sure, it is certain, that at the end, every Jewish person will do teshuva. There will be no person that is not going to do teshuva. Every individual, we're all going to come back. No one will be left behind. Interesting, another verse in Yeshayahu, and that verse we say many, many times in our prayers in Rosh Hashanah, another time. It says like this, Bahoyo Bayom Hahu. It'll be in that day. That day mean on the day when Mashiach will come, when the redemption of this final exile will be. It says, Yitakab Shofar Gadol. It will be blown in a giant shofar, in a giant horn. And what does it say? Uvo Haovdim Be'eretz Ashur. And those that were lost in the land of Ashur will come back. Notice what it says here, Ha'ovdim, those that were lost. That is talking about the lost souls, the lost people, the lost connections, those who are no longer associate themselves with the Jewish people, those who don't even have the knowledge or any idea about being Jewish. Those are the lost ones. Ovdim means the ones that are lost. Vahanidochim, those that have been pushed away in the land of Egypt. So not the physical land only, but also spiritually. They've been pushed away 
in very, very far places, but everybody will come back. All of them, the Oivdim, the Nidachim, if you were lost, if you were pushed away, you will come back. And all of us together, V'hishtachavu Hashem Bahar HaKodesh B'Yerushalayim, we will bow, prostrate ourselves before Hashem. In the Holy Mount, that's on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim. So basically, you see here in this verse as well that it's going to be different world. Hashem will make it so that it doesn't matter what our standing now is. Whether we want to be part or we don't want to be part, whether we understand that we're part, we don't understand, it doesn't matter. Whether we're lost or pushed away, whether, whatever the reason is, sometimes we get lost because we have so much opportunity, we have so much things going for us, we don't have time for Hashem. We don't have time for spirituality. We don't have time for our soul. We're so busy and we're so preoccupied with filling our physical needs, our emotional needs, that we forget that we have a soul. A soul wants to eat, and drink wants to be nurtured, wants to be taken care of. So we're lost. But we're lost in the land of Ashur, which means in the land of good fortune, and we don't pay attention. So, unfortunately, opportunity a lot of times corrupts people and doesn't give them a straight focus and understanding where they should really be because they're overtaking by all their, either their success or their pleasures or their uh, needs, that they're lost. They get lost to their soul. They're lost to Hashem. But no, Hashem will bring them back. Those lost will come back. Sometimes people are pushed away because they end up like in Egypt. Egypt means like oppression. Sometimes it's too difficult to be a Jew. It's too hard. There are so many obstacles. There are so many objections. The world around us, there are so many anti-Semites. There are so many difficult. We don't want to be Jewish anymore. We're pushed away because of the difficulties. We have a lot of problems and we don't have time to go ahead and think about God or think about spiritual, think about our souls, think about the Torah. We are pushed away because we're like in the land of Egypt. But no, we won't be pushed away forever. Because on that day, God will blow in that shofar, in that humongous trumpet, in that humongous shofar, and all those that are lost in the land of Asher, those who are pushed away in the land of Mitzrayim, will come back. And we will bow down in the mountain of Jerusalem. Very interesting piece in the Haggadah, which we all say. Okay, so I wrote it down. You can look at the screen. In the English, it says, we all know that there's the four sons, right? And what does the Chacham say? Then we have, what does the evil son say? Right? So that's the Rasha Mahu Omer. What does the evil son say? And he says, what is this service to you? He's asking a question. He says, what is this service to you? What does he mean when he says to you? So he says, to you, but not to him. He's basically saying, I have nothing to do with this service. That's why he's the evil son. He's rejecting and he's disenfranchised himself. He's saying, I don't want anything to do. Why are you doing this service? You, but not me, but not him. Okay. So what does it say? You tell him, because of Hashem, of the miracle, because of this, Hashem did for me. So what are you telling him? What is this? Tit for tat? What are we telling this evil son? This is the end of the piece. It says, because of this, because Hashem did for me. So we're saying for me, but not for you. Had you been there, you would not have gone out. 
you would not have been freed. Like those Rishoyim that we learned before in the Rashi, who died during the three day of darkness, right? Okay, so we're giving back. The evil son is sort of telling you, why are you doing this? You, but not me. We're telling him back, well, you have been there, you wouldn't have gone out. We got out, but not you. Why are we, but why are we sitting by the Seder? We're sitting by the Seder because we're celebrating the redemption, the freedom, right? So what benefit is there to us at the Seder table to tell a evil son, nah, you would not have gone out. Had you been there, you would not have gone out. It's a little bit difficult to understand. And the Rebbe makes a beautiful twist over here. And the Rebbe says, the emphasis is what we're telling the son, had you been there, you would not have gone out. But we're telling him, but now you are going to go out. It's only there, because during the time of the exodus of Egypt, if you didn't want to go out, you had the choice. But here we're telling you that there you would not go out. Why are we telling the evil son he would not go out during the Seder? We are actually telling him that he had he been there, he would not go out. But he will go out now because everyone is included. So now we're not making, there's no, it's not going to help you that you think you're going to be a Russia. Because no, you know what? Everybody's going out. Since even the evil son is Hashem's child, in the end of the day, we're all Hashem's children. Because he is one of the four sons. So in the end, He's guaranteed that he too, misspelled over here with two O's, that he too will be redeemed. That he also will be redeemed. He knows that. So we're not basically just rejecting him, telling him, oh, you don't deserve or you wouldn't go out. But basically, what we're telling him is that over there, maybe you didn't go out, but you know what? You're coming out this time. When we go out of Golos, nobody will be left behind. So really our question is, why is it actually? How come in Mitzrayim, if a person chose not to go out, he didn't have to go out. Okay, you were, we were always God's children. God says it right in the beginning. You are my eldest son, B'ni B'chari Yisrael. So how come in Mitzrayim, being a son, did not suffice to go out of Mitzrayim? If you refused, you didn't have to go out. What changes that we're saying that in the future redemption, no, nobody's going to let behind. Even the evil son is coming out. No Rishayim, nobody is going to let behind. What's the difference? Why was the sun not enough to force us to come out of Egypt? But we're saying that in the future redemption, we are all children of Hashem. And at the end of the day, because we're a child of Hashem, we will all go out of goals. Why is that? So we have to really examine our level and relationship to God before the Torah was given, which was in Mitzrayim. We were still God's children. And the level of connection, relationship with Hashem, with God, that we have after the Torah was given. While before Matan Torah, the Jewish people are connected to Hashem as children to a father, that is a natural connection. The connection between 
a father and a child, and a child and a father, is something which is built in nature. Nature has a limited capacity. Unfortunately, we see the reality that sometimes, if you're unlucky, your child rejects you. Many children blame their parents for all their problems. They don't take responsibility. And it's the mother's fault, it's the father's fault, it's everybody is, is at fault. They blame, and a lot of times when they blame, I know some cases, there's maybe an only child won't talk to their parents for years. So that's a very unfortunate situation. But if a child rejects that natural connection, sometimes you can break that connection and not like because it's a natural connection, sometimes that can be broken. There is a concept in the uh, Talmud that the prosecutor cannot become the defense. It has manifestation with regards to Yom Kippur, too much to get involved now, but basically if the connection, the defense is because we're related, you're my son and you're my father, we have a a, a relationship. So if that's the connection, if you reject that connection, then that love of your father to the son cannot work because you're not allowing. You are undoing that very same thing that connects us. You're saying, I want nothing to do with you. I'm not your son. And you're not my father. That rejection of Hashem's connection to the Jewish people, when they said, no, we're not going out of Egypt, we want nothing to do with that, Hashem can't take them out because they're rejecting that very same thing, that very thing that Hashem is using, that love and that connection, that binding, to take them out of Egypt, and they're rejecting it. So, if you're rejecting it, you basically don't leave Hashem at that point any options. He can't have, as a father has compassion to a son, because you're saying you're not my father. And if you're not my father, I can't use that fatherly love that I have inherently if you rejected it. But that is when we're talking about a connection which is based on nature. Being a connection which is based on nature by definition, is a limited, it's a natural connection. But what happened after the Torah was given? Then there was something new, in addition to being Hashem's children. Hashem also chose us as His people. God chose us that in addition to being his children, God chooses us. The whole concept of choice means that it reaches in a deeper connection to Hashem. Hashem says, you are mine, not on a natural level, you are mine because I choose you. That means it is not about reason anymore, and it's not about rejection or acceptance. You have been chosen as the chosen people. You have been chosen as the people who I'm connected with. And that connection is deeper than anything that you can want or reject because it reaches in the highest of levels of connection to Hashem, in Hashem, in the level where Hashem chooses us. And actually, the Jewish people became, at that point, not only sons of Hashem, but they became servants of Hashem. We also became avodim. Not only bonim, but we became avodim. Now, an evid, an evid doesn't 
only do, a servant doesn't only do what they like to do or what they want to do. The expectation is an Evid does, especially if it's a servant who is loyal and dedicated, then they totally give themselves over to the master. At the time of the Torah was given, there was a whole new relationship between God and the Jewish people. Not only in a limited way, a natural way, as a father to his son, but Hashem chooses us, and we became his, become his servants. That connection that comes from the level of being servants of Hashem is not a connection that anybody can touch and that anybody can play with. And therefore, Hashem has guaranteed us, as we learned in all of the previous sources, Hashem has guaranteed us that He will, at the end of the day, cause us to appreciate Him and recognize Him and not reject Him because even the rejection is not going to work. You employ a deeper level of Hashem where our connection to Hashem isn't based upon of what we do or we don't do. That's based upon a level of choosing that Hashem has chosen one. That's why in the future redemption, everyone, all of us, will uh, go out of exile. Okay, so that's one point of one sikha. We'll go to the next one. So Mr. Rabbi? The, yes, sure. So, uh, yeah, I had heard that a good majority of Jews did not leave Egypt when they had that choice. But the Jews that did not, um, some of them were killed during the three days or all of them? Well, what you heard is uh, Rashi brings down in the portion of B'Shalach, over there the verse states, Vachamushim olu bnei Yisrael meretz Mitzrayim. Chamushim literally is translated as armed. They went out armed with the food and everything. They went out from the land of Mitzrayim. Rashi brings also one interpretation Chamushi means Chomesh, a fifth. That only one fifth went up from the land of Egypt, four fifths stayed behind. Yeah. Now, you're asking me uh, to tell you for sure whether uh, all of them died or not all of them died. I would presume if we connect these two Medrashim, yes, it doesn't necessarily mean that this fifth Medrash and the Medrash that says on they died in the three days, doesn't mean that they both reconcile. Could be these two different medrashim. But I don't have any reason to say no. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I have to look at the sources. But it sounds like an awful lot of people dying, right? I mean, that's what yes. that would seem like uh, uh, a lot of people. But in any, in any event, that's the... Um, um, that's what happened then. But it's not going to happen again. Now we're all going. So now we're all going. So, Baruch Hashem for that, you know. So we overcome that. We went to this, the, the next step. Anybody else want to ask anything on the previous piece before we go on to the next? Okay. We have an opportunity at the end. If you want to ask something, more than welcome. Now, we're all talking about the portion of redemption. So now we're going to talk about Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshiach are connected. The same idea that we were talking about before, the first redemption and the last redemption. Who did the first redemption? Moshe Rabbeinu of Mitzrayim. Who's going to do the next, the last redemption? Mashiach. So we're saying that Moshe Rabbeinu, who did the first redemption, and Mashiach, who is going to do the last redemption, are connected. What is their connection? Taking they, us out of exile. They both you. redeemed the Bnei Israel. They both took us out of exile. Okay. Now, we find also a uh, in the middle of what we were talking about before, but this is in the middle of the debate that Moshe Rabbeinu is having with God. God is persistent. I want you to go and take the Jewish people out of Egypt, and he refuses. And finally he says to Hashem, I don't know how to speak. How am I going to take them out? 
God says to him in verse 12, Atoleich, go. I'm going to be with your mouth. I will tell you what to speak. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about it. I will teach you what to say. So you don't have to worry. And Moshe Rabbeinu again, he says. But Yomer, he says, Be Adon Shem. Please, God, I beg you. Send, please, in the hand that you're going to send. Now, literally, it means send it with somebody else. Send it in the one who you're going to send it. Just leave me out of it. I don't want to go. The Medrash, however, says something very interesting. That Moshe, that Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem, don't send me. Send in the hand that you're destined to send. Biyad Mashiach Shu'asid Legalis. Why don't you send in the hand of Mashiach, who eventually is going to take the be revealed and take the Jewish people out of Golos? Why don't you bring Mashiach now? Why are you sending me? Why don't you send Mashiach, who is going to be revealed? You're going to send them later. Send them now. Now, Hashem did not accept Moshe Rabbeinu's argument, of course. Hashem said no. Moshe, you got to go. But yet we see that Moshe Rabbeinu connected this redemption with the redemption that is going to be through Mashiach. But yet we know that Moshe and Mashiach are from totally two different tribes, from the sons of Yaakov. Because Moshe was from the tribe of Levi. Right? Mm-hmm. Moshe comes from the tribe of Levi. Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kahos, and Merari. And Kahos had four sons, Amram, Yitzhar, Hebron, and Raziel. And Amram had a son whose name was Moshe, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. So Moshe was from the tribe of Levi. We know that Mashiach is from the tribe of Yehuda because Mashiach is a descendant from King David. King David comes from Yehuda, right? He comes from Peretz, from the story of Tamar and the story of Ruth that, uh, Ruth that we know. So he comes from Yehuda. So how are we connection? How are we connecting these two redeemers? They come from different tribes. Moshe from Levi and Mashiach from Yehuda. And here we're saying that they're connected. What is the connecting piece that connects them both? Is the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu brought. The Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us, that is the connecting piece that connects Moshe Rabbeinu, who brought us the Torah with Mashiach, who is going to be revealed. Because the Rambam says, the main and the beginning of the qualities of Moshe Rabbeinu is that he was going to diligently study Torah. That's going to be the quality of Mashiach. And now, we will do a few gematrias over here. Numerical, interesting calculation to see how Mashiach and Moshe Rabbeinu are actually connected. Okay, we'll see that in the numerical value, when you say Yahweh Moshe, that means that equals Mashiach. We'll see the numbers in a minute. So, which means that basically Mashiach brings down, reveals that which Moshe Rabbeinu started bringing down the Torah. It's the Torah and that special work that we do with the world in preparation will bring about Mashiach. But let's first look in the Pasuk, in the end of Vayichi, that's last week's portion. And this is the blessing that he gives to the tribe of Yehuda. So he says, 
This is Yaakov blessing Yehuda. There will always be rulers from the tribe of Yehuda. And those who make statues, the study, the rules, will be his descendants. Until, I highlight the words, Ki Yavo Shiloh, until the time that Shiloh will come. Until the time that Shiloh will come. Who is Shiloh? The basin Mikdash. No, this is until Shiloh. Shiloh is a person. Oh. It says, until Shiloh, this is from the verse in Vayichi, until Shiloh will come, Velo Yikas Amim, and he will gather the nations to him, all the tribes and all the nations will collect to him. Who is this Shiloh? Who is this Shiloh? Until Shiloh, Yehuda will be always on top, always be rulers from Yehuda until the time that Shiloh will come. Rashi says, Yav Shiloh means Melech HaMashiach. Because Melech HaMashiach is from the tribe of Yehuda. So until Melech HaMashiach comes, it will always be by Yehuda. Basically means that Yovo Shiloh means Melech HaMashiach will come. Okay, that's the meaning according to Rashi. If you take the word Shiloh is actually the same numeric value as Moshe. We'll see. So it's as if it says until Yovah Moshe. Yovah Moshe means that Moshe will be brought down. Moshe will be revealed. He'll come. Mashiach will bring. Mashiach is Yovah Moshe. Mashiach Yovah Shiloh. Look how it works out. First of all, this word Shiloh equals Moshe. So Shiloh is the same numerical value as Moshe, as if he was saying the Pasik, Yava Moshe. It's just like Yava Shiloh. Same numbers. How? Look. Shiloh equals Moshe. Shin, I'm doing for Shiloh, right? Shin is 300. Plus Yud is 10. Plus the Lamed is 30. Plus the 5. Hey, is 345. So the Shiloh gematria, the numerical value of Shiloh is 345. The numerical gematria of Moshe is also 345. Because Mem is 40, Shin is 305, is 345. So Shiloh and Moshe are very connected. We just said that Shiloh is the King Moshiach, right? Shiloh means Yahweh Shiloh Moshiach. Here we're saying that Shiloh is Moshe. Now remember, we're trying to say that Moshe, the first Redeemer, is connected to Mashiach. And here we're showing you that Shiloh is Moshe. So, what does it mean when it says, Yavoy Shiloh? Yavoy Shiloh actually equals Mashiach. Yavoy Shiloh equals Mashiach. Shiloh equals Moshe. But Yavoy Shiloh equals Mashiach because... Shiloh, if you can see, uh, Mashiach equals the Mem is 40, Shin is 300, Yud is 10, and Ches is 8. So that's 358. Okay? Shiloh we had already before is 345. So plus you have to add the word Yavoy, which is Yud is 10, base is 2, Aleph is 1. So it's 345 plus 13 is 358 is Mashiach. Basically, take my word for it, that Yavoy Shiloh is the gematria Mashiach. Yud based Aleph, Shin Yud Lamed Aleph is gematria Mashiach. Shiloh itself is gematria Moshe. Yavoy Shiloh is gematria Mashiach. That means that Mashiach, which is Yavoy Shiloh, is when Moshe becomes Yavoy. When Moshe comes, that becomes Mashiach. So when Moshe Rabbeinu comes, what means Moshe Rabbeinu is revealed, that means Moshe brings, reveals Mashiach. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that brings Mashiach. Now, one more thing. That's one more gematria. I don't know if you don't... You remember, you'll see this works out very nicely. But 
Then we have one more thing. The word Yavoy Mashiach, here, the Yavoy over here, is also, we said it's 13. It's the same level, same spelling as Echod. Echod is also 13. Aleph is 1, Ches is 9. With Aleph and 1, Aleph and Ches is 9. And Dalad is 4, is 13. So that's the same as Yavoy. So you can also say Echod Shilo, which means when you do Echod, the previous, so that Shilo, we know already is Moshe. Echad and Moshe is Moshiach also. It's the same thing. Yavoy Shilo. And Yavoy Shilo is the same as Echad Moshe. Moshe is equal Shilo. I don't know if you're still with me or not. I can't see your faces. So I don't know. You're saying, hey, what is the guy talking about? <laughs> I have no idea if I lost you. But you know, at least, you know the point is here. The gematria is work. It means to really be saying that when we work on what Moshe Rabbeinu accomplished, which is bring us the Torah, and we work on the Echad, then we'll bring down Mashiach. Then Mashiach will come. So it's a following of the work of Echad. What does it mean, Echad? So let me deviate for a few minutes, few moments that we still have left to discuss this. You know, we all know, we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem, Anyone? Going to finish the Pasuk? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem? Hashem Echad. Echad. Anybody? Anybody else in yeah, class Echad. besides Janice? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem? Echad. Nobody? I don't see, everybody's hiding their faces, so I don't see anybody. So I don't know if they're really Hashem in class. Echad. Hashem Echad. Hashem Echad. Oh, Hashem Echad. Echad. Oh, Echad. Oh, okay. Please, there's some echo over here. Anyways, Hashem <laughs> Echad. Now, the word Echad means what? One. One. Hashem Echad means one, right? Now, you ever count in him? Echad? What comes after Echad? Shtayim. After Shtayim comes? Shalosh. And then? Achad doesn't necessarily mean only. Achad only means one. Sometimes you say one, right? Sometimes when you say one, you can have two, and you can have three, you can have four. One doesn't really say only. If you say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, God is one. Well, maybe there's two, maybe there's three. But there seems to be a better way. What is the meaning of the word Yachid? Yachid means only. So why don't we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Why don't we say Hashem Yachid? Hashem is only. He's the only one. Why do we say Hashem Echad? Well, there's very, actually very, very good reason for that. This is actually really the main point. We are not trying to say there's only one God. So basically, if we said Hashem Yachid, you'll say there's only but there's only one God. Well, what about not gods? Is there something else besides God? Yeah, there's only one God. But still, there's a beautiful world around here, there's spirituality, you know, there's a lot of different things. What we're trying to say with Hashem Echad, we're really trying to say that everything that is, it's not that He's only the only God, but everything that is in the world is Hashem. We're trying to say that while you see a world you see a beautiful day, you see the sun shining, you see beautiful flowers. All this is Hashem. We're not saying that Hashem is Yachid, He's the only Hashem. And, okay, that would be nice. But what has it got to do with me? We're saying Hashem Echad. The word Echad, as explained, is made up of three letters. Aleph represents Hashem, the master of the world. 
Ches represent the seven heavens and the earth. As you know, in the Talmud and in the verses, there are seven heavens. There are uh, seven heavens and the earth. And the Dalit represents the four corners of the world, which basically means that all of the world is subjugated to the Aleph, to Hashem. Echad represents that within the world Hashem is one, which means to say that there is nothing really independent of Hashem. When you go out in the streets, when you're at home, in good days, in bad days, difficult days, it's all Hashem. Hashem is everything and everywhere. It's all. Hashem is permeates and He's Echad, meaning He's one. He's with and in and part of everything that goes on in the world. He's not only, he's not alone, he's not separate from us. Okay, he's the only God, let him be a God over there, but what does it got to do with me? This is what the idea of Echot. And basically, this is the job that we have during the time that we're here in Galut, is to find Hashem in everything. Because this is, as we spoke many times, a sort of a game of hide and go seek. You know, Hashem hides himself. You don't see Hashem in the world. You don't see everything. A lot of times you want to get angry at Hashem because you don't see. You say, how come? A lot of times you feel self-empowered. You say that it's my power and might. I don't need Hashem. You don't always naturally come across and recognize that Hashem is everything and everywhere. And that's what our job is now, is Echod, to take that Aleph, find it in the Ches and the Dalit and everything that we do in all of our lives. Always appreciate, reveal, come to the conclusion, find it and see. No, it's all about the Aleph. Hashem is there in everything, in all of our lives. If you look hard enough, you'll see Hashem's presence, you'll see Hashem's miracles, you'll see Hashem's kindness, you'll see that Hashem in essence is good. Find Him. Hide. Hashem hides. Go seek. That's our job. And we find Him. The more we find Hashem during our time, that's what will bring about when Mashiach will come. Because when Mashiach will come, He will be no more in hiding. Lo yikonif your teacher will no longer hide. All of a sudden we will see things that seem to us so difficult to comprehend. Why does Hashem do this? How come this happens? We can't understand it. It's going to be everything open. Mashiach is going to reveal. Yavoy! It's going to become the revelation of all of the Echot. That Echot, that level of revelation is all going to come in an open and in a shining way. We will be able to at that time say, Oh! Wow, we didn't see this all, but now we recognize, we appreciate it, and as we learned in the first Sikha, we're all going to be there. doesn't matter what our level is, because eventually we're all going to go out of Golos, and Hashem will help that this will happen sooner than later, because we've seeked Him enough. Now is the time for Hashem take us out of Golos and bring us Mashiach, and build us the base Hamikdash, the Meher of Yameinu, Amen. Amen, Amen.